And welcome to season six of my podcast. Today, my guest is Lian Wong, who is the Vietnam Program Coordinator of Shrimp Welfare Project. She has eight years of experience working in international nonprofits in Myanmar, Hungary, and Singapore. Hi, Lian. Welcome to my show. Hi, Vietnam. Uh, hello from Vietnam. It's such a sweet surprise and very honor, big honor for me to be here because I I knew about your podcast when I uh, during my visit to Singapore and uh, I figured out that your podcast has featured super interesting and prominent guests. So I feel super lucky to be here today so that I can share more about shrimp welfare and my stories. So thanks again for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm really I'm really excited to interview you. So, Lian, I'm curious to know, what inspired you to care about shrimp welfare? Mm. So, um, yeah, this is such a unique cause. So, um, I've always cared about um, animal welfare in general. But when we talk about animal welfare, shrimp is usually not the first species that comes to people's minds. And so when I saw this job ad about this position um, in Vietnam, the Vietnam um, Program Coordinator position, I uh, did a quick research um, by checking uh, the organization's website and um, some other resources. Um, and I was like, wow, this is such a unique cause. And if I uh, do uh, this job, I would be able to help so many voiceless and often ignored animals and in huge numbers because, you know, like, there are 400 billion shrimps um, are farmed each year all over the world. So this is going to be very impactful if I can just join Lenahan in the process. Yeah. Well, wow, that's very nice. I didn't, I didn't even know that shrimp welfare was a thing. Yeah, it's it's true that many people, um, you know, like um, just recently I came back from an, a conference on animal welfare in Vietnam, and uh, people talk. Um, mostly about, you know, um, land animals like hens, cows, and um, uh, pigs. But um, aqua- aquatic animals in general were not um, mentioned at all. And, and and then when you think about shrimps, they're not as expressive or they don't really have any voice or sound, you know, so it's easy um, that they become... Uh, pretty invisible um, when people think and, and talk about animal welfare in general. So, yeah, you're right that it's it's a new cause to many people, but it is not less important. Yeah, every cause is important. What are the welfare issues with shrimp farming? So, um, I think we can basically um, identify like for for main welfare concerns. So I think the first one is the risk of diseases. So you know, like um, in Vietnam and in um, India and some other major shrimp farming countries, farmers usually stock um, at a very high stocking densities. And uh, for example, in Vietnam, in super intensive farms, they can stock up to 500 shrimps per square meter. 
And for intensive farms, they can stock between 80 to 200 shrimps per square meter. And due to these high stocking densities, you know, diseases that exist within the normal microflora of shrimps can thrive and, and it can cause pathogen outbreaks um, in the farms. And this can also cause, you know, like spillover effects if best measurement practices are not followed. And this can kill like a lot of shrimps, very high mortality rates when there's a pathogen outbreaks. And, um, and then the farmers will turn to antibiotics to stop the diseases. And this in turn will promote the emergence of antibiotic resistant bacteria. So um, yeah, risk of diseases is really a major challenge. Um, major welfare concern, and also um, well, water quality, water environment is where the shrimps live in. You know all those um, um, factors like the oxygen, ammonia levels, temperature, salinity, pH levels are all very important and crucial to the welfare of uh, aquatic animals, including the shrimps. And when farmers struggle with managing um, their water, it can lead to compromised immune systems in the shrimps. And in extreme cases, it can lead to death by suffocation or poisoning of the shrimps. And usually for semi-intensive farmers in Vietnam, they uh, usually lack technical support and resources, and they really struggle with water quality management. And then we have this um, very this this uh, welfare concern about eye stock ablation, like a, a practice that have been in existence for decades in the shrimp farming industry. So basically, some hatcheries they um, practice crushing or cutting off the eye stalk of female shrimps to induce rapid maturation, and this is a very you know, inhumane practice. And uh, recent studies have demonstrated that avoiding eye stock ablation can result in bootstock living longer and their offsprings being more resistant to stress. And so uh, it is crucial if we can eliminate this practice because it's it for for the better, um, for the both the health of the shrimps and also for the benefit of the industry itself. And the last... Uh, concern that we identify is, is the slaughtering method. So, you know, like typically um, when they harvest the shrimps from the pond, they will take them out of the water, drain the water and then wait and then putting them in the ice slurry. So it can take like an hour for the shrimp to, to be um, out of the water. And in the ice slurry, it's like a slow and painful death for the shrimps. So for now, we know that some um, big players, key players like Tesco, supermarket chains, um, they are collaborating with some NGOs and some suppliers um, in Vietnam to pilot uh, more humane slaughter methods like electrical stunning and reduce significantly the time out of the water um, for the dream. So, um, so hopefully in the future, we can find, you know, more humane method um, um, for, for the shrimps. So yeah, these are like basically the big um, wealth issues that we identified and we are trying to work um, to improve these practices. Oh, okay. A lot of issues 
issues for the shrimps. I feel really bad for them. Yes, it is really bad because like not many people, as we mentioned at the beginning, not many people think that shrimps can feel pain or whether they are sentient beings. So because shrimps are not very expressive and, and they live in very turbid water, so not like We, we don't get a chance to observe and to see how the shrimps behave in water, how they express themselves, you know, like when they feel frustrated or stressed. So, um, yeah, so the issue of inhumane slaughter is something that doesn't come to people's mind because not many people think that shrimps can actually feel pain. Yeah, like, and that's really sad how loads of shrimps to die. Right. You're right. What does Shrimp Welfare Project do to help shrimp? Hmm. So um, our approach at the moment is we try to work with the industry to improve uh, the welfare of the shrimps. So um, it might not be um, natural for farmers and other players in, in players in the industry to to understand that better welfare for the shrimps means better benefits for the industry. So we try to establish a link between welfare and success for the industry. Uh, we work with the farmers to improve the shrimp health and, and welfare. Um, so our plan is to provide uh, technical support all for free to the farmers um, in Vietnam and India and probably um, in more countries in the future so that they can improve their water quality management practices. and. Um, Yeah, and, and then, you know, like we can support the transition to a market for higher welfare for the shrimps by working with both the, not only the supply side in Vietnam and India, uh, but also the demand side in the EU market. And um, we also invest in further welfare-focused research um, right now um, in India so that, you know, we can understand, really understand about the science behind shrimp welfare, what is a life worth living for the animals. And so we can have a strong evidence base um, and then we can design the interventions that um, are really backed by science um, before we can roll it out on a larger scale. Um, and we also um, try to promote the inclusion of welfare in standards, you know, like, For aquaculture products, um, shrimp and fish, there are many certificates all around the world, you know, organic certificates, um, you know, all kinds of certificates when the shrimps get to be exported, but um, very few of them mention welfare for the animals. So we try to, whenever we can, uh, to talk to the people um, behind um, all these certificate systems to try to incorporate, um, you know, requirements about how the shrimps are farmed, how they are raised. Um, and so it's not only good for the environment, for the human health, but also, you know, like welfare is something that has to to come at the forefront when it comes to all these standards. Yeah, that yeah, that's really nice what you're doing to help shrimp. Thank you, Vedant. Yeah, really, it's not an easy work, but we are trying our best. Yes, and I'm sure the shrimp are very thankful for that. Thank you. What are the biggest challenges in improving shrimp welfare? 
Mm, so this is um, a big question. So um, from my experience, uh, because I work mostly with the supply side in Vietnam and my colleagues um, in Europe are working um, with uh, key players on the demand side. So I can share with you like some some challenges from both ends of the work. Um, I, I would say that I think on both ends of the of the supply chain, you can you can see like um, the resistance to the call. So uh, to the industry, it's like it's just um, it's common for them to react to our call by saying that a change in welfare practices it means extra costs for the industry. It's more expensive to to farm the shrimps, um, to handle the shrimps when they arrive at the processing plants, etc. Um, and shrimp farming industry is actually shrimp farming is a is a big investment. Like it's it's a, a lot of money involved. So people usually are very cautious when when there is a call for change. Um, they usually would take very little small steps. They they don't just implement it like right away. They are very cautious. And um, another challenge is we have very little awareness. Um, from like among consumers, not only in you know domestic market like in Vietnam or India, but also even in countries on the import side like European countries or even in the US, consumers like 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 common people like you and I might not think about you know shrimps as as animals who can feel pain. And um, yeah, there's very little, almost zero awareness and pressure from consumers. And uh, also there's a lack of legal protection for shrimp welfare. I think for now we can, uh, only the UK Animal Welfare um, Sanctions Act is the, I think it's the first um, set of um, legal protection like that specifically mentioned um, shrimps as among the animals that should be protected. Uh, and some scientific opinions by scientists in the EU um, also mention um, about sh um, shrimp sentience. But other than that, we don't have um, many, you know, laws that specifically mention um, about the welfare of shrimps. And, um, and then from my experience of working with farmers in Vietnam, they just won't consider um, changing their farming practices. Like I said, almost nobody thinks about shrimp as sentient beings. And the challenge, the real challenge is to generate the motivation for change, you know, in the supply chain or to create a market for high welfare shrimps, either through the laws or through pressure from consumers on the import side or the demand side. Or maybe we have to rely on some initiatives by key players in the food companies or importers if they care. So um, yeah, it is very challenging to you know to link all these different players in the in the supply chain. And also, um, when I work with the farmers in Vietnam, there are some cultural challenges. Uh, you know, like they are not very open to changes because it's it's a big investment to them. And it's high risk um, because, you know, when they can't um, manage to manage the water and uh, most of the ponds are still, you know, outdoors, you know, it's exposed to the rain temperature. It's not it's not easy for them. And it's really a high risk um, investment. Uh, and so it's not easy for an NGO like us to to intervene, to step in because, you know, they are very cautious before they adopt any new practices. So yeah, these are like 
very very big challenge that we face day by day when we work with the um, with the industry both in Vietnam and also you know um, on the import side on also in other countries. Well, those are a lot of challenges you face. It is. It is challenging, but it is also you know exciting because you know when we can. Every every small achievements or victories that we can achieve, we feel super happy. You know, it's 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 a lot of work. So, um, we understand that this thing which will take time, and so we we do just do it step by step. Yeah, and you do this for good. Yes, exactly. That's our motivation <laughs> to keep to to press on. You know, like to keep trying. Yeah, is this a global issue or is it specific to Vietnam or a few other countries? Hmm. So I think how the shrimps are farmed, um, from a welfare perspective, it's um, it's an issue in all major shrimp farming countries like India, Vietnam, uh, Ecuador, Thailand, Indonesia, etc. Um, although farmers in different countries, you know, they have um, some differences in their shrimp farming practices. But, you know, still common issues like water quality management, disease, um, you know, isolation, the use of antibiotics, all these are pretty common. Um, and then the challenges on the demand side are pretty worldwide, you know, like lack of legal protection, little awareness and pressure from consumers. These are common worldwide. And so uh, if we can come up with solutions for these um, in some of the first countries that we're working in, um, chances we can we can um, scale it up and do it in other countries, and hopefully can bring can help more shrimps all over the world. Yeah, the, it looks like this is a very big issue. It is, yeah, in terms of I, scale. Yeah, I never, I never thought that it would be this big for so and so many countries. Right. Is there any environmental and human health benefits to improving the welfare of shrimp? Um, definitely, you know, because human, you know, shrimp is like they are farmed to become human food. So definitely, um, this has there's a link, there's a direct link between um, better welfare for the shrimps and better. Um, human health um, and for the environment yes because you know these shrimp farms they are located you know like sometimes it's very near um, key water sources so you know when um, the water quality management practices um, are poor it can contaminate you know nearby bodies of water and salinization and acidification of the soil can can happen and you know like when algal blooms you know it happened it can deplete oxygen levels in the water and it can also you know produce harmful toxins that may kill the animals and of course cause human illness so if these all these can be improved um, water and soil pollution can also be improved and of course it's safer for the consumers you know when they when they have a higher quality shrimps and if we can keep the suffering of the, and the stress um, of the shrimps to a minimum level it can also um, it, you know ensure high quality shrimps and and disease in shrimps you know if they are not controlled it can directly and negatively affect the food safety so, of course, yeah, the link here is really direct and immediate. 
And, you know, um, another issue is uh, that I mentioned previously, uh, in order to combat bacterial diseases um, among the shrimp, antibiotics are used really extensively in shrimp farming. And this can, can promote the emergence of antibiotic-resistant uh, bacteria. And this can hinder, you know, the overall effectiveness of antibiotics in the future. And not this not only affect the shrimps, but also humans and other animals. So, you know, one of the best ways to minimize the need for antibiotics is to, you know, rear the shrimps under better welfare conditions. And this can in turn promote better immune systems and lower the susceptibility of disease outbreaks and, you know, like prevent the emergence of antibiotic resistant bacteria um, in humans and other animals. And then, you know, wastewater from the intensive farms can wreak havoc on the local wildlife because, you know, when this wastewater are discharged into the rivers with very minimal treatment, um, it's really a, a big environmental challenge. And, you know, um, but on the other hand, you know, in small quantities from less intensive operations, um, water effluent from stream farms can actually um, benefit um, water sources due to its nutrient content and organic load. So yes, there is um, there are very um, strong quality, you know, relation between human health benefits and environmental benefits. If we can improve um, the practices in the shrimp farms and better welfare for the animals. Yeah, it could be. It would be really nice if if people can still eat shrimp, but it wouldn't affect the environment so much. Exactly, because we are all, you know, um, interdependent on each other. So no species, humans, animals, you know, can we can be healthy without the others being healthy and having a good environment to live in. So, yeah. Yeah. What can my listeners do to help this issue? Right. So um, thanks for asking this question. I think it is very important. You know, sometimes we get to uh, engrossed in our daily work um, and we uh, don't have a chance to reflect on the role of, of um, you know, the public. Um, so your listeners, I think you can learn more and um, about, you know, shrimp welfare, about shrimp as sentience being. Um, and it would be great if you can... After you have learned, if you feel inspired and, and informed, please share it to your network, you know, articles and resources, um, you know, to raise awareness um, of the people in your network about shrimp welfare as an issue to improve its visibility. Um, also, if you, it will be great if you can help to raise awareness um, in your, you know, your supplier, supermarkets, food companies, restaurants, hotels, um, and also your governments. Um, because you know we need more motion to 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 so that the whole industry can have um, a motivation to change, incentive to change, and also um, I think you know same for other animal welfare. If you can switch to a more healthy you know plant based diet, um, it can reduce the you know the load. Uh, the need to produce more and more shrimps in large, uh, in huge amounts. Um, and so, you know, farmers don't, don't have to stock them until like we have so many shrimps within the same pond. I think that will be, that will be, that will be great. You know, if you can just a bit of change in your diet. Yes. Dear listeners, 
please follow this advice and please help the shrimp. Thank you for the call, Vedant. That's really sweet. What did you want to be as a child? Uh, this is such a sweet question, Vedant. It gives me the opportunity to reflect on like my own thoughts and you know aspirations when I was with a child so um, I think when I was in primary school like I consider all kinds of career path you know like all crazy ideas not crazy but you know like ideas um, I love to paint so I was dreaming about you know become a become and then when I grew a bit older, like when I was 16, when I was a teenager, um, then I started to feel like maybe working in the nonprofit sector is um, is pretty appealing to me. I like to help people, um, to help other beings. And so, um, and I think since then, it really, the idea really um, stayed in my mind and I really pursued, I've been pursuing a career in the non-profit sector until now. So, um, yeah, I'm still in the field um, helping the shrimps. Um, it's a new cause for me. Previously, I um, I didn't get a chance to work um, to work full-time um, for animal welfare. Previously, I worked, you know, in human rights, um, education, and research. Um, and, um, and I'm very happy that now I get a chance to join um, a very meaningful uh, cause which is to help the, the animals. So yeah, thanks for asking this question. Yeah, you're welcome. What are your hobbies? Mm, my hobbies? Um, so for now, I'm very passionate about dance. So I um, so it's like a passion project when I am not working, um, you know, with Stream Welfare Project. Uh, in my free time, I train a lot. I do Tahitian dance, you know, like French this dance originates from the island of Tahiti in French Polynesia. And I've been doing it for almost 10 years now. And um, in my free time, I train and also teach. I hold some classes and I, I, um, I'm very happy to have a dance community here um, in Vietnam. And it keeps me sane, you know, like sometimes it can be um, pretty stressful. Um, with my, uh, you know, with my job, you know, all these challenges like I've mentioned before, uh, I have to be honest that sometimes I feel, um, you know, it can be stressful, um, you know, so in order to, to keep myself sane and, you know, better mental health, um, I, I dance when, you know, like it keeps me, it makes, it makes me happy, you know, movements and music just make me super happy. So yeah, <laughs> that's my big, big hobby. Yeah, dancing is fun, but I don't know how to do it. I'm not good at it at all. You can try. Um, I guarantee you will be a happy person when you when you try to dance. I have it's tried it for, but I'm not good at it. Maybe not. Uh, you haven't found the right uh, style. You know, just keep searching. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Th thank you so much for coming on my show. My pleasure, Vedant. Uh, it has been so much fun, and um, yeah, I really appreciate the chance to to talk to you, to your audience about stream welfare. Um, we don't have many, you know, platforms and many opportunities to to talk about this. Um, uh, so I really appreciate this this opportunity. Yes, you're welcome. You're welcome. I really enjoyed speaking to you. I learned a lot. Me too.
Dear listeners, follow my Facebook page, Curious Faithan, and get updates on my upcoming episodes. To listener please on your phone and get notified about future episodes, subscribe by searching for Curious Faithan wherever you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also listen to my show on CuriousVedan.com. Thank you for listening to Curious Vedan. And don't forget to read and leave comments.